Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Miles Anthony Smith. Thanks for being on the show, Miles. Thank you, Whitney. I appreciate you having me. No, I'm honored to have you on the show. And a little about Miles. He's the author of the Why Leadership Sucks series, teaching on how to eliminate frustration with leadership. He's also the director of digital and SEO content marketing. And, you know, the Why Leadership Sucks series, I don't know why I haven't read that myself yet. I'm looking forward to this, but looking forward to this interview, Miles, and, and appreciate your time. So tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, maybe where you're located, and, and a little about the series before we jump in. Yeah, thank you, Whitney. So I got my leadership start in my mid-20s. I was very fortunate to have had a formal position of leadership early on in my career. I think leadership certainly starts with leading yourself well before you can lead a team or your family or friends or what have you. But I really got thrown into the fire at a younger age and went through lots of challenges, ups and downs. I think as anybody can relate to in life, you certainly have both those times of on mountaintop experience down in the valley and being in charge of directing people and motivating, inspiring people to towards a goal is something that takes a lot of practice. And really for me, that's why I wrote the books, why Leadership Sucks Volumes 1 and 2 was to share some of those experiences and hopefully make your leadership experience suck a little bit less than mine did. So, you know, I like how you, you talked about leadership starts by leading yourself first. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? What, what does that mean? Yeah, it really starts with understanding who you are and how you're wired. This can take, I mean, there's lots of different personality tests or even motivational type of tests. So you understand not just your personality, but what really drives you and energizes you. And so there are several that you can take, quite a few. Actually, one of the ones that I've used for myself, my family, and other people it's called a flag page. It's actually developed as a relationship tool, but really starts to help you understand what drives you, what energizes, what, what gets you going more than just your job description or your job title or what you do for a living. It's only starting there first and understanding who you are and how you're wired. Can you better understand how to better lead other people? Could you give a couple of examples just so we can know how to think about that? Yeah. So for me, one of my main drivers, one of the things that energizes and motivates me is I filter people through two questions, really. Are you genuine? Are you fair? And so I know that for good or for bad, I might filter people, too many people out uh, through that filter and miss some opportunities. But at the same time, I know that when I approach people, that's really the primary thing I'm trying to assess in working with people, whether I think they're trustworthy in business or in life. So knowing that about myself, I can also protect against what I would say maybe the negative part of that or the potential negative part is that I may filter people too much and not get to understand really who they are, give them a fair shot. 
Interesting. Okay. No, I appreciate that. And so, you know, you talked about, you know, having the benefit of starting in your 20s, making maybe some mistakes and having some hard things to deal with. So, you know, that that helped you to develop your leadership abilities and even into writing these books. And so, you know, could could we talk about some of those or or do you have, you know, maybe a few that that we could, could talk about to help the listener to understand maybe what they're doing right now as far as, you know, leadership issues that they're having and ways that they can solve those problems? Yeah, man, there's lots of different things in leadership. As it is multifaceted, I would say a primary tenant is certainly that leadership, the only way you can learn this is to practice. You can buy my books or other people's books. You can take different tests. You can learn all about yourself. But until you actually take what you have learned and actually try it, put it into practice, it really isn't going to mean much and it isn't going to make you a better person. It's only in the trying that. And I think for me, it's learning from other people, applying that, learning something from that. Okay, what could I have done better? What did I do well? Uh, you don't always beat up on yourself. Some of us can be perfectionists. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a perfectionist myself. So allowing ourselves to make some of those mistakes because we are going to. We're not perfect. We don't know it all. And, and that's part of the growing process is learning from others, applying it, figuring out what you can do to do better. So that's one kind of broad thing. I think another one is just understanding how important culture is to your organization. So, you know, you can be successful at a personal level to a certain point, but in order to grow further and build a larger company or larger team, you're going to have to learn how to motivate and inspire people. And that is a whole different animal. And these days, people don't want to be told what to do. Certainly the younger generations, but even the the boomers and, and those, that's starting to change from a top-down style of leadership to a servant leadership. doesn't mean a weak leadership or somebody who's subservient. You have to be in charge, but it flips the whole model on its head of us serving the people that work for us, not the other way around. So there's a great topic right there. I mean, serving the people that's working for us instead of, I guess, having the mindset that they're serving us, you know, serving them as well. But, you know, you, you talked about, you know, you have to learn how to motivate and inspire people. And that's not always easy. I find, you know, like, unless you're, you're taking these things, you're, you're learning, like you're talking about, and you're practicing, just like you said, you're going to have to practice these things. So help us to learn how to, I guess, give us, get us started anyway, and, you know, motivating and inspiring our, our team. Well, it, for me, it starts really with going back to leading yourself well. So in order to lead other people, you have to know who you are, your strengths and your weaknesses, and how that's going to play with the team the end of the day, they are going to look at you. And most people can judge fairly quickly whether you're authentic, whether you're just a fake, whether you're going to get in the trenches with them and actually do some work with them, or you're just going to bark orders. Now, as a leader, you you need to, you can't always be in the trenches doing the work because that's why you have other people to help you do those jobs. You need to be able to rely on them, but they need to know they can trust you. And finding ways to build authentic trust with them is really key. And it's something that's not, I guess it's not easy and it's easy. (laughs) People want real authentic. And if you can demonstrate to them, not just through your words, but through your actions, that you're going to follow through on what you say you're going to do, that you actually care about them, doesn't mean that everything you want them to do that they're going to completely agree with, but you take the time to understand their perspectives at the end of the day, the leader has to make a decision. Maybe that's opposite of what somebody wants, but 
you've taken the time to show them that you care and that you understand their perspective and even explain maybe why we're going to do something differently than they think it should be done. Nice. So that that's not that's not easy, is it? I mean, that's not easy no, to not. to have a talk with you know with your team and explaining you know maybe why you think something should be done differently. But it starts from a position of humility, and that's a position that we have to, especially as leaders, we like to be in charge. Obviously, there's a reason that we're in charge. We want to do that. You have to have a certain level of ego, but it's not so much suppressing that ego, but it's putting that ego in its proper place, and really treating people with respect and dignity and really just proper etiquette, to, to be frank. <laughs> and it sounds simple, doesn't it? And, it's part, it does. and maybe part of it should be simple. You know, it's some of these leadership skills we have to, I think, learn and develop over time. But but some of it should be common sense, I think. Treating people like, like you want to be treated, you know, obviously the golden rule, but but starting from a position of humility, I like how you said that. I mean, really just putting out there that, hey, I, you know, I don't do everything right either, or I'm, I, I mess up all the time. And, and I need, you know, I, the people that are on my team, I mean, I need their help. That's why they're working with me. If I could do it all, you know, I, I wouldn't have them, right? I, I would be doing it. And so, and, and most, you know, they're better at what they do than I could do it. That's for sure. So moving forward a little bit, but, you know, some other challenges maybe with a larger team or, or, you know, ways that, you know, why leadership sucks, but, but us, for, for us to, you know, get through some of those challenges, maybe even with a larger team or any, any challenges that you can uh, give us examples of and how to get through it. Yeah. So culture is a big one for me, understanding. And, and part of that piece is your organization is going to grow and mature your department. Let's say maybe it's larger, you know, small company and team, or it's a small department of a larger company the needs of that business or that department are going to grow and change over time. So the individual talents and skills and abilities, uh, as well as just the cultural fit of people over time can change. And I've run into that a number of occasions. It's very difficult because you may be facing an issue where you just, your gut's telling you this person isn't a fit for this role. Maybe they were several years ago, the organization's changed, grown, or maybe it's shrunk. And again, those dynamics change quite frequently over time. And it would be equally bad of us to, or, or a poor decision of us just to assume that those people need to always stay the same or to change all the time. And this is difficult because we're dealing with the people side of business and dealing with the fact that you may need to make a change. Hopefully you can move them into a different role. Hopefully it's not just a, a if it's a performance issue, I always start with the, the perspective of what can I do better? What maybe what have I done wrong or, or what maybe not wrong, but what are the things that I can do to communicate better with that person to give them better parameters within which to do their job? Because a lot of times it starts with the leader. It should, and we need to really genuinely look inside and exhaust all of those potential things, looking at it authentically really, you know, from humility, what can I do better to help that person to succeed and give them multiple opportunities? I believe in giving people lots of opportunities to either change their behavior or to maybe grow into a new role. Maybe they performed well, but it's just not a fit for where you're going. Give them that opportunity. You built that relationship and trust with them over time to move into a new role. But that's, that I find is one of the bigger challenges because the dynamics of business are you know, moving quickly, changing more rapidly. 
So being able to, as an organization, adapt those roles over time. Okay. So, you know, what are some common, I, I guess, either misconceptions or things like that that you see people, you know, in, in these leadership roles that we have or that maybe are we're blind to? Some things you commonly see that, that maybe us as leaders are blind to in our organization or, or even bigger of that than smaller, you know, whatever examples you have, maybe are obvious to you because, you, you know, you've, you've written books, you, you know, you've really educated yourself on this topic, but where a lot of us that are in those roles, we haven't developed ourselves enough. Right. I mean, we're not leading ourselves well, but what are some things that we're blind to that are maybe obvious to you now that you weren't when you were in your 20s? Oh, that's a great question. I think one of the thing, one of the big things is communication. And as a leader, we don't often realize the power of our words. So we might say something off the cuff to somebody and ask them to run with it and don't give enough clear communication or don't take the time to go through what we really want them to do. And I've seen this many times, people will run off and do something and they come back and you're like, that's not what I was asking you to do, or I wasn't asking you to do anything at all. I was just making an off the cuff comment. So I don't think you can totally eliminate those, those circumstances or not have those at all. But I try to, as a leader, because we, most leaders tend to think fast and want to move fast, generally, or faster than others. Let's say that. I try to check myself and force myself to slow down so that I communicate and make sure and get that feedback from that other person, make sure we really are on the same page in terms of what either I'm asking them to do or just having a conversation about something. So it's easy to just get running and keep going and just give minimal communication that could be email or verbal and knowing which you should give in which scenario. A lot of times when you need more than one or two emails back and forth, you need to have a dialogue. So that should be phone or, or Skype or in person. There's a lots with communications I could talk about. Yeah, communication is such an important part of any business or relationship. I mean, whether it's marriage or whether it's in the office, I mean, communication is key. So let's, let's spend a little time there. Go ahead. Yeah, so... It is very difficult, and, and we all have our own biases or our own things that drive us and energize us, or we filter things a certain way. So really taking the time with people to slow down, communicate, ask for them to, you know, repeat back, regurgitate back what they think you, you know, you said to them and, and having enough dialogue. You can't sit and debate things forever or, you know, have, <laughs> obviously you need people who can understand that communication well, but as a leader, it's our responsibility to make sure we've done everything we can to not only communicate what we're asking them to do, but give them the goals and parameters, the guardrails within which to make decisions. That's another one, you know, giving them some freedom. So, you know, they can't just make a decision within whatever they want to do, but give them some latitude. Okay. If it's within this, you know, this is the budget and this is the timeline and some, Give your people some opportunity to make some decisions. Allow them to fail, even if that hurts your business. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean you should allow them to blow up the company, but we all learn by making mistakes. And if we don't give our people opportunities to make some of those mistakes within bounds, they're not going to learn. And, and if we do, they will learn and be a much more valuable team member and contributor that will take more off your plate because then they've learned how to make a better decision. They learned some wisdom from that experience. Otherwise they're, they're waiting on you to make every decision. 
Oh man. And then you're going to be the bottleneck, which I've seen some entrepreneurs and some leaders, you know, I think they love it. And, or there's some sort of sick twisted thing <laughs> when you're, you're not going to be effective because you, you've got to delegate. You got to be able to get other people to do that work. And some of it has to be without your input. How often are you communicating with your team or, or are there like maybe some specific annual meetings that are important? Are there daily things that are, that are happening on a app? Are there weekly meetings that are in person? How, how have you seen that to work the best? It depends if you're talking you know, about your, your core team of uh, direct reports or indirect reports or broader, you know, broad parts of the organization. So if it's your department or your, you know, your core team, that communication is happening usually every day, certainly more formally once a week, broader teams, you know, once a month or once a quarter. It really depends on the situation, size of the company and what you're trying to accomplish. But the one thing I will say is generally the more communication, the better. Now, I'm not a big advocate of having too many meetings and that can be a problem for some organizations. Uh, but usually that's not too many meetings as it is too little decisions happening in meetings or progress being made so they just have more meetings instead of actually moving the ball forward. How, how do we make sure we're accomplishing what we're setting out to do before we, you know, when we have that meeting that we are making progress? A couple of things, certainly having goals and objectives and an agenda for the meeting. You know, I don't know how many meetings I've been in where we just come in and you know, we need, we know we need to talk about this particular topic. We don't have an agenda. We haven't thought it out. And if that's the case, we probably, and I, I realize everybody's busy and say, maybe we don't have time to set together the agenda, but then if we don't have time to set the agenda, then there are other things that we need to stop doing in order to have time to do that. Uh, we're too busy, not focused on the right things uh, or on the things that are going to move the needle. And that goes back to having good organizational goals and objectives. Like these are our ones and twos rather than our three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 that aren't as important. Because frankly, it's easy for us all just to be busy and feel like we're moving the needle that way when it's going to be a lot more effective if we focus on the things that are the most important that are going to move us forward as an organization or just as a team. Wow. All right, Miles. Well, unfortunately, we're running low on time, but just a few more questions. You know, what's a way uh, that you've improved your business lately, uh, even if it's within this, the leadership scenario, that was something that we haven't talked about, but some way that you've improved your business recently that we could apply to our business as well? Yeah, I'm going to go back to, you know, that, that culture piece and individuals working better together. So one of the things that we've gone through is I work for a, a marketing agency and one of our clients actually has a leadership process that we as a team have gone through and it's called the company's called initiative one and one of the things that's really done to help us is to break down some of those barriers where you know we all feel like we maybe have to hide things like well i'm you know because we're all not great at everything <laughs> we have weaknesses right and rather than hide those weaknesses let's get them on the table or or they're maybe they're not weaknesses of us individually but they're of us as a team or some way that i work with you know, John and John's fictional person, <laughs> not a specific person. There are things that we need to uh, be aware of about each other in terms of how we could maybe not grade on each other or not work well together. And then just have those conversations in a very easy going kind of an atmosphere. Hey, you know, th you said this the other day and it made me feel like this, but you know, maybe I'm, I'm maybe totally wrong and misinterpreted what you said, but really having those frank, 
but non-confrontational kinds of conversations so that we don't build up negative energy <laughs> against people when they probably didn't mean half or any of what you know we took it that they said. It seems simple. You know, it, it, a lot of these things in leadership aren't necessarily groundbreaking, but they're simple things that if you apply them regularly will change your life and your business. So what is the the number one thing that's contributed to your success, maybe outside of outside of the you know improving your leadership ability, people, and for me, my number one thing is developing lifelong relationships, friendships, personal and professional. I mean, some of the best friendships I have are both personal. I would add a third one to that: personal, professional, and then spiritual. Uh, I won't delve too deeply into that, but for me, uh, the best friendships I have are you know are all in. I have respect and trust in all three of those areas with those people in a relationship that's built on something that we can work together over the long term. And really, that's what it's all about. I mean, short term stuff is just not going to be, it's not going to benefit you long term. <laughs> I know that sounds really simple, but I'm looking for those relationships that are going to benefit us mutually over the long term, personally and professionally. And you can't really separate who you are personally from your profession, no matter what people will tell you, it all intermingles. And so how do you like to give back? Oh man, lots of ways. I mean, you put me on the spot because I, I mean, I, I'm very involved in my church and the school, the private school that my kids are involved in, both from a time standpoint, financial standpoint. I don't like to come put me on the spot. I don't like to talk about that stuff, but I do. And I like to give back to other people. That's why I wrote the books. I mean, like, I don't, I don't get rich on making money off of books. I genu- I mean, I like to make a little bit of money, but I like to share what I've learned. And there's no greater joy for me than if I can help somebody not make the same mistake or maybe help their life suck a little bit less than mine did a, in a particular situation or just to make them feel better that they're not alone. That's huge. Wow. Well, Miles... You know, unfortunately, we're out of time, and I appreciate your your time today and and providing the content and the value to me, and my, the listeners, and myself. Just you know, why leadership sucks, or or how it cannot suck, really, and just improving this and practicing these things so so it gets better. Uh, you know, and really understanding it starts with ourselves. Thank you again, and uh, but tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Yeah, so you get my books on Amazon, or if you're an audiobook aficionado, then uh, go to Audible. Barnes and Noble, Nook, and a few of those others aren't as well. My website's milesanthonysmith.com, go slash blog, and you can read various content that I have on leadership, but in business in general, it's not all focused on leadership. Awesome. Thank you so much, Miles. Thank you. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. 
LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.